Hey, you, you're listening to Sloancast, the one-stop shop deep dive where we discuss anything and everything about the greatest band of all time. Jay Ferguson, Chris Murphy, Patrick Petlin, and Andrew Scott, collectively known as Sloan. We are your fellow super fan hosts. I'm Rob. This is Ken. Ken, what's happening, man? Uh, I'm doing good here. I'm, I'm trying to think, is this our first live uh, live guests on this podcast, or have you been have you been in a room with somebody before? I can't remember. No, I think this is the first time we've had somebody like in our one of our local vicinities. Right. So I f- yeah, I feel uh, as though I feel as though we're leveling up, as as the Gen Zers say. Exactly. Yeah, we're getting closer and closer to uh, dropping acid with the guest, a la Joe Rogan or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's an experience. Maybe we'll. Yeah, maybe we'll save that for the uh, Emily Plunkett episode. Speaking of, uh, Sloan for Canadian Music Hall of Fame, just want to mention off the top of the show here, uh, Emily's one of those people who sort of founded this little campaign to get the guys into the Canadian Hall. Why not? So go to at Sloan for CMHF on Instagram. Sign up, sign up, and uh, yeah, let's get those guys in there. Jesus Christ, it's been 30 years. Um, anyway, what, Ken, why don't we just dive into our guest? This one's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, if you've been to a show in the past, I don't know how many years, decade we'll find out exactly when it was but uh you've seen this guy i believe stage right mm-hmm. uh handling gear and uh, you know dressing up in various costumes and outfits <laughs> as a member of the sloan road crew he's a jack of all trades uh harris chahayich have i pronounced your last name correctly what's going on everybody yeah that's how you pronounce it usually, <laughs> hey now hey now Welcome. people usually screw it up but it's great <laughs> he told me how to pronounce it five minutes ago guys Anyway, uh, yeah, dude, thank you so much for doing this. It's such a pleasure to have you. Boys, it's great to see you. When was the last time we crossed paths? I mean, uh, uh, Rob, we're like, we're, we're both in the Toronto area and yeah. like we see each other at shows here and there. I would have seen you at the Phoenix for sure, like in the past few months. Yes, at the last Phoenix show. At yes. the... And then Ken, when, uh, when was the last show I saw you at? So uh, that would have been the... Uh, illustrious uh, Victoria, British Columbia Navy Blues Tour show in 2019, uh, at which the four did not fit into the venue properly, so you guys had to turn it around, and it was like an inverse. That's four. Right, yes. sideways four. The sideways four. Um, was that the show where you had the T-shirt of uh, Andrew's uh, kick drum? Yes, it was the it was the self-made oh, Andy Cibola classic. Yes, I remember that, and we took a photo by the drums there, right before the one on stage that's right there is, there's a photo of us looking very heroic because my sister is taking it from a like a, a below perspective so uh i could i could post that along with the episode i feel as though it almost looks like me and brian bell from weezer well i love crossing paths with you guys this is great so it's great to talk to you why don't we chat real quick harris before we get into your background i want to say full disclosure i met you in 2015 i want to say uh, I had just started at Dine Alone and had taken over for Mike Bell, uh, who was sort of like the DA uh, merch guy, online sales guy for a bunch of years there. Anybody in Canadian re- retail will know him. They'll also know him as the basis from the band Chore. Uh, but anyway, we met in 2015, I want to say, Lisa's office or something. You were coming in to pick yes. something up. Or, yes. Anyway, I remember that's probably the first time I met you. And we'll get maybe into a little bit more of your association with those bands and whatnot a little bit later. But I want to just kind of pinpoint, I think that's where we met. Right at Dine Alone, I, I did some work there as well. I remember you there. You were you were the king of the of the. Uh, the oh yeah, yeah, the trailer. You were the, the king of the trailer. Everyone talked about you like records. Guy, yeah, records on wheels. Wax yeah. on wheels. Wax on wheels. There <laughs> we go. That was your thing. And then after you left, 
uh, I took over some for some of that. Oh and, really? Uh, yeah. Oh wow. It uh, I didn't do as good a job as you, but oh, uh, that's why I got can? I got fired within a month. But that's oh, fine. It's Jesus. okay. <laughs> anyway, that was a lot of fun, and so yeah, that's where I re- recognize you from. And then so when I saw you, were you? And um, we'll get to this. We'll get to this at some point. But were you a Sloan at that point in 2015? 2015? No, I oh, okay. was not. Okay, no. cool. Okay, that's some context. Well, why don't we just start off with a little bit of background for the listeners. Anybody, like I just said, who's been to a show, obviously, over the past few years, they recognize you from the stage um, as, a, as a, somebody who's a part of the team. You're a part of the Sloan family, um, as Jay Coyle would say, <laughs> the brothers. Anyway, um, but yeah, fill us in, man, a little bit of background on you, where you're from, you know, memories of music you like growing up, you know, finding music. You obviously play. We know you play. Yeah, just any kind of background you want to level in. Great. Uh, background. Okay. So growing up as uh, growing up in the, as a kid in the nineties, music was very important to uh, all of us. And uh, my first love was back when I was 10 years old, back in like 1990, 1991, I just, uh, I just fell in love with the Beatles. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the Beatles, just they became my favorite band. Uh, I loved all their music, but here was the problem: I had no friends who liked the Beatles. Right? Nobody. I had nobody to talk to, uh, talk to about with the Beatles. It's, it's just I was just on my own, and that's where it started. And then around ninety ninety two, Nirvana ninety one ninety two, grunge Nirvana that kicked in, and I fell in love with that. That was my as every kid in the 90s right yeah just a fan of uh then green day came along and then uh i liked all i liked all that stuff and then uh again as a as a early teenager watching much music every day because that's what we did and much music played music videos back then not like now and half the videos on much music were sloan videos right And that's how I learned of the band, like, underwhelmed. When, when was that? 92? Yeah, 92. Mm-hmm. Sure. I remember being, like, 11 years old, wow, watching okay. much music. There's underwhelmed. I'm like, hey, this is cool. Like, so you're, like, ground zero awareness. It's like, I was like, this is, this is, like, this is like Nirvana. It's yeah. not as good as Nirvana, but it's, it's close enough. I'm like, this is pretty cool. And they're Canadian? Well, I didn't care about that. I was 11 years old. Whatever. But still. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, then the next year was uh, the next single and then the single after that. And I remember every time watching much music, I'm like, oh, here's another Sloan song. Oh, this one's good, too. Oh, this one's good, too. I'm like, it was never a bad one. I was like, oh, I like this one as well. So that's how I first learned of the band. And uh, growing up, uh, all my friends, like, I feel like in high school, I feel like you either like are friends with like the athletes or the musicians, or the nerds, or whatever you want to call it. But I was friends with just musicians, and we were also nerds, but that's all right. <laughs> but uh, I did not know how to throw a football or how to throw a basketball. So all I could do was just uh, try to play the guitar. So all my friends were musicians, and then we just grew up like that. We would just uh, we'd go to shows, we'd talk about music, we'd buy music, we look at it. Uh, uh, but, 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 but... Still no friends that like the Beatles. Still. Mm-hmm. So that 10-year-old in me was like, is there anyone out there who likes the Beatles? 
all my friends, they like Nirvana, they like Green Day, they was like this Metallica. In, was this in Toronto? Uh, yeah, Toronto, okay. Brampton, Toronto. Yeah, nobody so. liked the Beatles. No, 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 because everyone just liked what was current at the time. What, what, what else was big in 95 and like 94? Smashing Pumpkins. And, sure. You know, Trouble Charger. Trouble Pilots. Some Temple Pilots, The Offspring, or whatever. TLC, right. if we start crossing yes, genres, yes. Mariah Carey. And that's what everybody wanted to talk about, and uh, that's all I had. So, And me and my friends loved it. We loved grunge music, we loved punk music, we loved indie music, we loved rock music, and uh, that's, uh, that's, that's how it started. So did, were, were you, when did you start playing? You're a play, you play guitar, right? So, uh, because all my friends were musicians, uh, all of my friends started bands. Uh, one guy was at a band, another guy was at a band. I joined a band. Uh, we all played music together. Just we grew up like that's all we did. Like uh, I played guitar, and then I was friends with lots of other guys who played guitar. And, oh. it's like we got we got a oh, motorcycle yeah, taken off. One second, take a breather. <laughs> so when did you start riding motorcycles? <laughs> anyway, okay, so take two. So, so Harris, uh, you transitioned from being a fan to an actual player. Talk to us about that. Because I was friends with so many musicians, all we did was just play in bands. We would uh, uh, make up bands, and next week we'd be in another band, and then next month we'd be in another band. And that's just how it started. Okay, I don't know if you remember this. In the mid to late 90s, there was a, there was a music boom in southern Ontario. Sure. Something was happening. Something was in the water. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. Something was happening. Like bands were playing everywhere. We, yeah. You could go to a local show once a week, every week. Yeah. You could find a local show, whether it was Toronto, Mississauga, Brampton, Bolton, wherever. Yeah. There was always something happening. Like, and and I find it it's not like that now. But right. something was happening in the late nineties. So yeah. I was just in the right place at the right time. With the right people, we all love music. We all played in bands, and things were just exploding for us at the time. Did you start on drums or something, or was it immediately like <laughs> I love guitar? I want to oh. be a guitar player. No, it was just guitar. It was okay. just that's where I started. That's all I knew. And uh, was it like get me one for Christmas or whatever? Or? I I did ask for one guitar. I got it, and I still have it to this day. Oh. It's a Fender Stratocaster. Oh my god! But it wasn't. It was a Mexican made one. Is, that the, is that the Wayne's World uh, like the guitar in the glass? No, I wish I wish I had that one, but uh, it's <laughs> one I still have today. It I learned everything on it. Nice. I still have it. Cool. Awesome, man. That's so it. So you um, so first band was this just like dudes that's from school or whatever. Or? Yeah, we were all in school. We were all bored. We're like, let's start a band. And we just got together and we played punk music. That's all we did. Just punk music. And we just we do cover songs, Metallica cover songs, uh, Green Day cover songs, awesome. whatever we liked. Cool. Where was the turning point for you where this hobby became something that you could actually start to build a career off of? Great. In 1999... I was friends with the guys in Monin. We were best friends. They were from Brampton. I was from Brampton. And they were the first band from Brampton and amongst all our friends to get signed to a label and to start touring. And they were touring across Canada uh, all the time, every year, every summer. And that's when it started. They asked me to join them. They're like, hey, we need a tech. We need someone to come on the road with us. Are you interested? 
And what are you going to say if a band asks you, hey, do you want to go on the road? Of course. Yes, you yeah. say yes. And You're so I was like, years old? Like, fuck yes. Me. I was like, all right, let's do this. So we, we started going. And that's, uh, that's who I first started with. I was touring with Monin mm-hmm. for several years. Wow. And then we became friends with a band from St. Catharines called Alexis on Fire. Mm. Before, they, before uh, everyone knew them, before they blew up, we became friends with them. And, and we all know what happened with them. They exploded. And Alexis, they took Monin everywhere. Alexis uh, asked Monin to come with them to Europe, to right. Australia, to America, everywhere. They, they were the best dudes. So after I was touring with Monin for a while, a couple years later, Alexis on fire. They needed a guy. They needed a tech. And they came to me and they said, hey. You want to come join us and go on the road? And I was like, what do you say to that? You say, yeah, yeah. you say yes. You can't say no. I say, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. So I did. Uh, I was with Alexis on Fire for a couple of years. Then this guy from Alexis, Dallas Green, he starts a band, <laughs> City in Color, and he starts to tour and he starts to explode. He's even bigger than Alexis. Each mm-hmm. band is just bigger than the next. And he's got to travel and he's. He comes to me, he's like, hey, I need a tech. Do you want to come on the road with me? I was like, yes, let's do this. That's just how it goes. I just keep saying yes, yes, and you never say no. You always say yes to everything. <laughs> I was touring with Alexis for a couple of years, uh, and that was great. And this is, where we, this is where we get to the point in the story where I first meet the guys from Sloan. Okay. Right. So is this going to become my guest? Would this be a festival or either like a show where the where both bands are playing at the same time kind of thing? Or? Exactly. So this was in, I, I remember the year and everything. This was in 2008. Okay. okay. So, so parallel I'm, play. Okay. Right. So I'm touring with Sin Color and we uh, have been asked to play a festival somewhere in uh, Northern Alberta. This is like a weird festival. Mm. And I'm excited. So we, and I look on the bill. Who's on the bill? And it's a weird bill, okay? So it's Sloan, hmm. City in Color, and Headliner, Ice Cube. Nice. Like, what kind of mix is that? But wow. fine, okay. okay. But I was excited because uh, I was like, hey, we're gonna, I'm actually going to go see a Sloan show. I've never seen Sloan before. This is my first time. So we get to the gig. And each artist has their own trailer uh, in the back. And Ice Cube was on his own because he was the headliner. He was like, he was, uh, he's on his own. But the City and Color trailer and the Sloan trailer were right next to each other. We had like a little shared door and like two separate rooms. But we were right there. So I was like, oh, this is wicked. So I get there. I'm in the room. I'm just like uh, doing my work. And that's uh, when the Sloan boys came in. That's where I first met Chris and Jay. I think those are the two guys I met. Mm-hmm. And they were super nice. I was like, oh, this is wicked. Like, I can't believe I'm here. And, and I watched them play. I watched the whole thing. And usually I don't because I usually am too busy working. But I watched the whole set. And it was, it was wicked. I was like, oh, wow. This is a, a band I listened to like in high school. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in high school, I listened to this band. Now I'm watching it. This was, it was pretty cool. And so Gregory's fresh in the band too. Gregory had like, just joined in. He was just yeah. in it for a couple months. Yeah. yeah so this yeah. is wicked. Awesome. Man. That's great. So, so just correct me if I'm wrong. 2008. That's your first time actually seeing them live. That's my first time seeing them live. Oh, yeah, cool. at this festival. Well, 
awesome. That's great, man. Cool. So your first impression was that they were cool. You know, I guess you meant. <laughs> I listen. I loved all their songs. It was great. So their live shows was exactly what I wanted. I was like, oh, they're they're playing all the songs I like. This is great. I, I it's wicked. I. Uh, I talked to Chris and Jay afterwards, told them like I was a fan and like, I didn't think I'd ever see them again because right. I'm like, all right, this is a one-time thing. Uh, it was great to watch him play. Bye-bye. Like I'm not going to see them again. Yeah. You know? But uh, so the funny story is that uh, after, after Sloan finished playing and then city and color finished playing, we're all in the dressing room. And now, uh, it's time ice cube is about to play. And, and I, I'm with Chris, I'm standing with Chris and I'm like, Hey man, like you going to hang out for a bit? Like, are we going to watch some ice cube? You know, isn't this going to be cool? We're going to watch ice cube. And he looks at me, he goes, he goes, Oh yeah, we got to watch ice cube. Like, this is going to be wicked. Let's do it. Let's watch. Right. I'm like, all right, this is wicked. Like, like we're going to hang out. We're going to watch ice cube play. We're going to, we're going to have a good time. Great. And then, he kind of goes in his dressing room. I go, I go in my dressing room. And as soon as I go to the dressing room, uh, all of the city and color guys, all of us, the whole band, the whole crew, we're like, let's get out of here. Like, let's go to the hotel. This is like, we're not going to watch this. I was like, yeah, you're right. We're not going to watch. But I felt bad because I'm like, oh, right. no, Chris, like Murphy over here, he's going to be like watching the, and he's like, where's this, where's where'd that guy go? Where'd that guy go? <laughs> so we, we leave immediately. We go to the hotel room. Now, mind you, the hotel room is where every artist is staying that night. There's right. like one hotel room in this in this town. So we're sitting. I walk into the hotel room to like into the lobby. Who's there? Murphy. He's there. He ditched too. He ditched me. I ditched him. We both ditched the Ice Cube show. Or like we oh, told God. each other to our face. We're like, this is going to be great. We're going to watch the show. Yeah, yeah. See you there. That's, see you there. Bye. And we a, just left. This is a phenomenon that, that, that doesn't get talked about very often. But you will know this from playing in bands and stuff. From the same thing, like being at a big festival and kind of you meet a, a, a band that you like or whatever, and the chatter after, which is like, especially if you're switching gear on stage, is like, great show, man, great, oh, that was great, you know, like, hey, you're gonna pass me that, pass me that, great show, good. It, it's a bunch of bullshit, and then, and then I love that sort of BS after the show too, like, oh yeah, I'll see you there, I'll see you there, and everybody. That's exactly what it was. I love it. We ditched and we saw each other in the <laughs> lobby. We're like, oh hey, you're here. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Okay, all right. I had a thing I had to do. I had to I left something in the oven. Uh, so that was my that was my uh, first encounter with them. So cool. it was pretty cool. It's pretty funny. I thought <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so you're you're doing tech for City and Color, and you meet them in 2008. Um, did you cross paths with them again before you were working with them? How did that transition? Occur? No. So the next time was uh, a couple months later. So uh sloan got this gig where they will be opening up for lenny kravitz lenny mm -hmm. kravitz is going across yeah. canada playing uh arenas and sloan is opening up great now their uh their normal guitar tech at the time paul newman yes. he was he was busy that month he couldn't make it so he was they, checking for ice cube if i'm not <laughs> for ice cube <laughs> He just couldn't make it. Uh, and he's like, uh, so they had to find a temporary replacement. So I don't know what it was. I don't know why they called me. They met me at that City and Color gig. Maybe because I gave, maybe I laughed at uh, Chris Murphy's joke. I, just, like, I gave him a sympathy laugh or something. And maybe he liked me for that. But they called me. They're like, hey, 
are you available for two weeks just to fill in? And I'm like, and what's my rule? Yes, I am. Like, let's do this. So they called me in for that. And that was my first gig for the guys back in 2008. It was just for two weeks. Wow, cool. But it was pretty wicked. I was at that uh, Halifax show at the Metro Center. Uh, and it was one of the few shows where I only went for the opening act and then ditched because I got tickets for free. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't stay for the Kravitz. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was wicked. Like, I think that was the first show. I think that's where it started. Yeah. Nice. And okay. So when, uh, when I first met the guys at that festival a couple months prior, I only spoke to Murphy and jay i did not speak to patrick and andrew so at this halifax show was the first time Hmm. that i'm going to meet these guys and you're teching for them and i'm teching for them so me and the other crew guys we we load up the gear we get there we set up where we're uh because lenny kravitz is playing an arena where our dressing room is like the hockey uh hockey dressing rooms so we're just in the hockey so i didn't meet andrew i didn't meet patrick but like they show up so the whole band shows up and they walk in the room and right in front is Andrew Scott. Glasses, hair slicked back, look like a, like a Gucci model, just like so cool with his jeans, like walking in. He's got in one hand his bag and the other hand he's got this like, uh, just like a stereo, like, like playing music, walks in, strides in, sits in the back, puts down the music, hits play and leans back crosses his legs and he's just it's just so cool it's just like james dean walked into the room it was just wicked i was he's, just like he's blasting like a trojan reggae compilation or something. i was like this is wicked and then uh then the other three guys walked in it was like the, the three stooges like, was like hey what's going on <laughs> but uh it was pretty cool oh, was and uh chris uh chris came to me it's like hey it's uh you know, it's good to have you here i was like thanks for calling me and uh, that was pretty wicked. So th- those two weeks opening up for Lenny Kravitz was pretty fun. So the two guys you mentioned that you hadn't met, Patrick and Andrew, in terms of fan interaction and stuff, they can tend to sometimes be the harder two mm-hmm. to sort of interact with, especially Andrew. Sure. Yeah. So did you find that they like, did you find that there was sort of like a, an ice to crack or like, because uh, when, when I met them the first time or like when I, when I, when I, I did the merch for them one time and uh, that, that sort of, uh, veneer sort of melted away like pretty quickly you know what i mean like with somebody like andrew who's admittedly pretty intimidated when you first meet him meet him he's intimidating you know as soon as i was like hey how's it going and kind of started talking to him he was instantly just like the nicest man ever yeah yeah that that first tour with lenica it was such a blur and so fast i didn't have time we didn't have time to hang out it was like oh, okay. uh me and the crew guys had to drive a truck uh overnight while the band like they took a separate uh separate van like there wasn't a lot of time to get to know each other it was very quick and uh uh it was a lot of fun but it was very quick it went by so fast we didn't have too much time to get to know each other at all yeah so you're in so it's that two week trip and then you're interacting with them any interaction other than this post 2015 so then uh after the Lenny Kravitz tour it was like two weeks later it was Murphy's 40th birthday oh okay and he and this goes to show you how nice of a guy he is this is the famous karaoke party the famous karaoke birthday party right he had this birthday party he invited like 
40 of his friends. Dude, are you in that video where you guys are singing Don't You Want Me Baby? Or yes, yes. I've seen that before. I knew I recognized <laughs> yeah. you in that video. That's hilarious. Yes. So, Dude. but here's the thing. These guys, they don't know me. I just, I just worked for them for two weeks <laughs> and he's already inviting me to his birthday party. Great, right? Like he's he's with he's with friends and people he's known for a long time, and he invites this rando dude. Like, okay, <laughs> all right, I'll come. It was great. We uh, yes, it was the karaoke. We uh, we all brought our guitars. We all sang songs, and then okay, and then this is where the story continues. After that birthday party, I I, ha- I don't speak to them for ten years. Wow, it's done. Okay, after that party, nothing. I, I didn't have to work for them anymore and just no contact ever again. Wow. Okay. Until 2018 right. and 2018. 12 is out. 12 is just, has just been released or yeah. is coming out. Yeah. I get a call uh, or an email. I can't remember. It's like, Hey, we need a tech. Do you want to come on the road with us? I was like, yes, let's do this. Like, like it's been 10 years. Chris is having, is having his 50th birthday party. You want to come to that? I'm like, 10 years later, here I am. Let's do this. And that's okay. where it started. So since 2018, I have been working for them. I've been with them. And things have been great. Awesome. That's great. Fantastic. Cool. So in your, in your sort of interactions with the guys over the last couple of years, I'm sure you've grown accustomed to each of their individual preferences, I will assume, on the stage, etc. And like... I don't know. We haven't had a whole lot of tech questions on this uh, or gear questions in quotation marks on this uh, on this podcast, but our, our listeners are always writing in and saying, talk more about gear. So um, is there a dude in the band who's more particular about their setup than than the other guys? OK, so each guy. Yeah, each guy is different. So starting off with, I guess, the guy who's more most into gear is Patrick. Sure. He's like a he's like a gearhead. He loves his pedals. He loves his guitars. He has the most uh, guitars. He does the most guitar switches during a show. Like each song has a particular sound. Uh, some some songs are drop D. Hmm. He likes to use his white SG for certain songs. He likes to use his blue Tele, is uh, the the one that he's had right. for Which ever. Has been in every that. Sloan show since like the beginning. Yes. And I remember working with that guitar. Like I'm working with it. I'm holding it. I'm like, like, this is your guitar from like 1990. Right. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I've had that forever. I was like, wow, this is amazing. He has it to this day. He uses it at every single show. And, uh, then he has like a third guitar and then, um, and then every couple of months, every couple of tours, he brings in like, uh, something new. Like he has like a, a silver, a sparkly guitar, uh, uh, he borrows a guitar. He uses something now. It's like he loves his guitars. He loves his pedals. Is the Flying V still in the mix? Is the Flying V is still there. Yes, but uh, the thing is, like these guitars break down, and sometimes like uh, they have to be taken in, and then they have to they're they're in the shop for like six months, and then mm-hmm. they come back and they they go in and out. So he's the most particular. He loves his uh, he loves his wah pedal. Mm-hmm. He loves his. Um, uh, it, like if you want to get technical, like he, with his pedals, he has a, he has a chorus pedal with like, with a, it's not a mono output. It's a, it's a stereo output. Right. So it's like a left and a right. And each one goes to a separate head. Okay. So as right. most guitar players use one guitar head with one amp, he likes to use two separate heads. That's right. 
And then he, on, on shows that the stage is big enough, he likes to stack four cabinets. Yeah. So he likes that. He loves that wall of cabinets. It, it, it looks good. He stands in front of it. He likes, likes how loud it is. And, um, he also is a super fan of, of wireless, uh, using a wireless guitar. He doesn't like to, he doesn't like the cord plug in. He walks around, you trip on it. He yeah, likes yeah. it. He always tells me, he's like, why doesn't everyone just use wireless? Just use wireless. It's so cool. It's so clean. Yeah. And it is clean, right? There's no, there's no mess around it. Mm. So that's Patrick. Jay, Jay is also very particular about his sound. Uh, but he's very, he knows what he wants. He, he, with Patrick, if, if, th- if some things change, if the sound is different or off, he goes with it. It's fine. Uh, Jay, he knows exactly the sound that he wants and mm. he gets that sound. Mm. He's very consistent sure. and that makes my job much easier. Right. So he's, I, he's very dependable, consistent, uh, clean, and he usually uses one guitar for an entire show. Mm. Whereas Patrick makes like seven to eight changes. Right. But Jay, he'll stick with one guitar. Maybe he'll change one guitar uh, to his telly. He has yeah. a, he has a three thirty-five, and he'll switch it to a telly if it's a different tuning or something. Yeah. But uh, uh, he knows what he, what he wants and he's good like that. Yeah. Then you have Andrew. Andrew, as we know, is the best drummer ever. Right. He, he's not replaceable. Like you could get someone, you could get someone to play guitar parts. You could get someone to play bass parts. You know, and the song will still sound like the song. You can't get anyone to play like Andrew. That's right? right. Like he is the sound of Sloan. If you get someone to fill in, it's not Sloan anymore. I, it is just not. Yeah. He just has that feel that cannot be uh, duplicated. Mm. I don't know what it is. I've tried. Okay, <laughs> I've tried during sound check. When he's not there, I get on those drums. I try to play like him. It's horrible. People yeah. tell me, get off the drums. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but, but Andrew is also, he's very um, easy. He goes sure. with the flow. Sure. If something breaks, he just goes with it. Like if he'll do different, different drum fills every night, he goes with it. Whatever he's feeling. It's yeah. really, it's really cool. But so for my first year of touring with Sloan, so for 2018, my first year, all I did was just watch Andrew. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm responsible for the guitars Fair and like enough. everything. I got to watch. All I could do is while they're playing, I'm just watching Andrew play. I'm Who just, I'm like, you? this Jeez. is this is so cool. The it's way he hits the, his, his fills, uh, yeah. it's so cool. So I was I was uh, hypnotized by that. That was pretty cool. That's a good word. And it's cool because where I stand on stage. And Gregory stands on, he's on the opposite side of me. And Andrew is directly in between us. And he watches Andrew too. Yeah, so yeah. oftentimes I lock eyes with Gregory and we look at each other and we're like, what is this guy doing? This is so cool. I'm like, did you hear that, Phil? And we nod. We're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Look at that. That's pretty cool. That's pretty impressive. And, like then, uh, and then there's Murphy. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> he's, playing, he's playing his guitar. He it, it, like it could be out of tune. He just plays whatever. He has one pedal, a tuner pedal. Mm. All right, he, okay. He does have a big muff that makes gives him a little distortion. Fine, he plays that sometimes. But uh, he is so he's so listen. He's so focused on singing. Yeah. You like 
Patrick sings Patrick songs. Jay sings Jay songs. Uh, Andrew sings Andrew songs. Murphy sings every song. Yes, He's yeah, singing yeah. every song. Yeah. Greg's helping him out too. Greg yeah. does a lot of the high, uh, high parts, the yeah. hard parts. But Chris is singing. In terms of bass guitar, whatever. He, he, it doesn't matter how it sounds. He just gets the show. Which is so funny because he's he's so he's so classically like an incredible player too. Mm-hmm. Like even on drums, but like yeah. to hear that, I guess it's kind of not wild to imagine that bass comes second on, in the live setting. But I mean, like for a guy, I mean, like you know, if I'm not watching Andrew, I'm watching Merv like singing, follow leader, and playing that at bass at the same time. Like that's just that's a that's a that's a hard one yes follow the leader the baseline yes it's and sing at the same time ridiculous i can't do that (laughs) okay so you mentioned andrew you know behind the drums or whatever what is his guitar setup like is he kind of as easy going on the guitar as well so uh, uh everyone in the band will tell you that andrew is the best guitar player in the band He is. He's just, he's just, he's a talent all around. Drums, guitar, whatever. He is, he's very good. He, but again, uh, I'll say this again, easy going. He'll use whatever. Uh, he likes to use a, he'll use any guitar. Sometimes he'll play Jay's guitar. Sometimes he likes to use his uh, SG that he likes to play. Uh, but he's just, he, he, Give him an instrument, he'll play it, right? Give him any type of guitar, he'll make it sound good. So yeah. he's very easy, not too picky. Cool. And is he rocking a, a whole set of pedals, or is he usually just like, is he, he's just playing Jay's pedals, right? Because he's, he switches up with Jay's position. Jay and Andrew uh, kind of share pedals, and uh, his main pedal that he uses is just a blues driver. Yeah. So that's just that's pretty that's all he needs we've seen before i think pictures of jay's pedal board there's like an a and a j exactly yeah they both have a blues driver so one is configured for jay's setting one is for andrews and it says a and j exactly so that's uh, that's what he uses yeah i love that uh for me that's also just like a classic sloan sound right there so the the basically in the, the live sound right like jay using a somewhat less prominent blues driver into his high watt to just sort of emphasize that attack and andrew's got a little bit more growl on there um i love that that's like just one of my top three favorite pedals just to put that on the record that's my gear content for the year <laughs> yeah it's it's great and you know what that andrew the a blues driver that he's had for years it broke oh uh you know they break down i don't know and we had to buy a new one, but I took the broken one. It's in my house. I t- intend to fix it mm. and keep it for myself. I, I just want, I want it. I want the Andrew Blues Driver. Can we have a photo of it? Can you take a picture of it? Oh, for sure. Okay, I took cool. it apart. I don't know. I don't know if I can fix it. It's going to be a tough one, okay. but uh, I'm going to try to bring it back to life. We should post that when we post this episode. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Wake it. Uh, let's let's, let's, okay. let's dig into your let's dig into your directorial skills because you're a multi you're a multi arm bandit you're not just a you know a guitar whiz but you uh, you have you have skills in other media so recently we all saw in 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 the Sloan fandom world the fantastic new video for the fantastic new single from the album Steady coming out uh, this October Scratch the Surface uh, and of course there was a there was a suite of social media posting around uh, that video um, sort of debating who is actually the real director and who is who is calling the shots uh harris you 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 were uh, you were involved 
involved in in directing that video maybe you could walk us through sort of that that whole process and get to the bottom of this whole chris murphy versus harris story (laughs) right for okay so chris had this idea he wants to make a video the first one in uh since 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 2011 yeah 2011 yeah yeah okay so like the first one in 11 years yeah let's make a video he he comes to me i uh recently got a drone and i was bringing the drone to the sloan shows i was droning uh, around the festival like while they're playing you know it's pretty cool and chris comes to me goes i have an idea i want to make a video that uh, involves a drone and we can can you can you do that can we do this i said let's do it so we got together chris had an idea where we would first film uh patrick driving around picking up each member of sloan kind of like taxi driver that was our inspiration for the for the video like a taxi driver and we eat we pick up each guy of sloan and then something happens something funny something serious and that kind of uh, died because we only had like 10 days to make the video. Mm-hmm. Murphy was like, listen, we have to film it, edit it, finish it in 10 days. I go, hmm, uh, that's not going to happen. Let's do something simpler. Let's, uh, instead of driving around the city, how about we're walking around the city? So as he will tell you, I had a drone and they had a song about being alone in the city. So it worked out perfect. So. It took a long time. If you watch the video, you'll notice that at, at no point are all uh, are any of the band members in the same shot. Mm. Uh, each guy was filmed differently on a separate night because everyone was just so busy. Like there was just no time, and we did not have time to film this. And we had to film it at a certain uh, certain time of night where it wasn't too dark and it wasn't too bright. So our window to make this video was very small, very short, but uh, we did get it done. And like, there's a lot of drone shots. We were dry. Uh, I was flying that thing around the city. We filmed everywhere. And uh, that's why we say we co-directed, but I, I would say I did most of the filming and like he did kind of most of the, he did, he did most of the editing. So okay. that's what, that's how you want to call it. Okay. Cool. That's uh. <clears throat> I guess that I guess you could call that a symbiotic relationship at the end of the day, right? Yeah, and I will say one of my favorite things on earth is is Chris Murphy reposting Instagram things, where like he'll post something, somebody else will post it, and then he'll po- repost them reposting it, and then he'll do right. that so that it sort of looks like a a mirror, like a house of mirrors or something. All right, gang. Well, for the first time in Sloancast history, we've got a caller here. It's weird <laughs> on the switchboard. The switchboard just lit up. So uh, let me just take this. Uh, line two, uh, who do we have there? Hey there, uh, love the show, Rob, and uh, hi, Ken. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Uh, my ears were burning. I was nervous that someone was talk- taking credit for a video that uh, <laughs> they have no real right in, in doing. It was kind of, at the very least, a, a, a co direct. And, uh, you know, it's like the, the guy, you know, if you know the Van Halen Panama video with the, they're, they come in on the wires like it's the guy saying hey i worked the wires on the panorama video <laughs> co-direct on that murphy murphy i flew the drone everywhere and all those places you you didn't direct that 
yeah, but like you came in with like a like a little stick. It's basically you like you came in with like, you brought like a rat pedal to the rehearsal, and somebody used it. You're like produced by me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Remember all those shots I was trying to get at Patrick? What your job was to make sure I didn't get hit by cars. You were just you were assisting me. I was not assisting you. Well, I, I you know like I agree to disagree. Uh, I think what you did I thought was lovely. I thought those sort of like, um, stock footage drone shots that you got were were, were great. They were swell. Thanks. It's a ri- it's original original shots. Okay, and listen. I'm, I'm just if you look up if you look up that video right now, it has over fifty thousand views, and I'd like to take some credit for that. You know, you can. You, I want you to take some. I want you to. First of all, I also don't want you to be embarrassed or feel like this has anything to do with the, the bomb haircut that that you just got <laughs> across between Amelie and Posh Spice. <laughs> I think you, I think you look fine. Oh my god, I did. I I, I did. Get a bad haircut. Okay, well, that's that's why I'm not in the video. You're in the video. That's... Can I just say, the, the drone footage, when I saw it, I, I was blown away. Um, you know, the, fir- the first thing that... Th- this is Chris, by the way. Is it, is it obvious what's going on here? I think so. Hey, Chris, how's it going, buddy? Uh, love the show. Uh, I want you to have Jay on. I just spoke to Jay today. I said, get your ass on there. Hurry up and do it quick before the new record comes out so that we can... So that I can come on again and talk about a new record, so I'm not on twice before you. Exactly. Uh, any, anyway, uh, I, I thought the drone footage that you were getting, you were t- taking the drone, <laughs> taking the drone uh, to some Sloan shows and getting uh, beautiful yet sometimes cruel shots of us playing in a rural, <laughs> rural location. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was also, I, I think, the, the the shots that Harris got in the. Surface video were awesome. And Chris, what did we always say that like if we had filmed this uh, twelve years ago with these drone shots, how much would have how much would the video have cost? It would be like Michael, you would have been headhunted to make the new Miami Vice video by Michael Mann, or whatever. It's like it's like a ten million dollars. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and we were all we were kind of, we were doing it very guerrilla style. I don't know what you guys were talking about, but you know you had to basically sign in and promise you weren't going to do anything wrong. And you're like, okay, I agree. I'll take responsibility. And, uh, let's I just think, say, I think, was, I think it was kind of illegal. Yeah. Really. Let's just say we flew the drone in some places where you're not allowed to fly the drone and we got out of there before any police showed up. So yeah, guerrilla style. Wow. Did you, did you tell them that you lost the drone? Well, I mean, uh, that's, uh, that's just, uh, I didn't get to that part yet. It's a little embarrassing. But yes, I ended up crashing one of the drones into uh, the building, and it's still sitting there on the roof to this day. We cannot get it back. Yeah, that last shot of the video is, uh, is the, the drone landing on the Eaton Center. And we did spend some time like trying to get up to see if we could get it, but we couldn't. But we had been, uh, there was a security guard that came after us and said, you know, basically, we were obviously filming down there illegally, but uh, but he was cool about it. He's like, just do one more shot and get out of here. And of course, it's the sort of Danny Glover said, one more, one more job before we retire. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And uh, anyway, we lost it. Anyway, maybe you don't need me to be on anymore. Then maybe Harris, hang up. I'm just going to talk to the guys. All right, thanks, Murphy. Because Chris, I wanted to ask you real quick, if you don't mind. Harris talked about his first time meeting you. What were your first impressions of him? And maybe you have a funny story about uh, somewhere in Philly. 
Well, the Philly story, we were, uh, Harris has young kids, and they were calling him just as we were sitting down at this diner in Philadelphia, and he was just, just the thing is, like, obviously he loves his kids, so he's kind of blowing, blowing them up his kids. He wanted to order, and you know, I could just see him, yeah, okay, yeah, we're in Philadelphia, yeah, we're at, we're at a diner, yeah, and, and then I could start <laughs> around and couldn't see obviously the kid has asked him what the place is called and he's just like looking around couldn't see and didn't want to have to get up he's like it's called the philadelphia breakfast <laughs> okay see you later buddy oh, <laughs> 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 and, uh, and that was pretty funny and oh, uh, one more joke from last night gregory's joke uh, I was uh, showboating as I often do, and I was like, "Sorry, I was showboating at the end there. I just wanted to get down so that people could, you know, take pictures and make it look crazy, yeah. and you know, make it look like it was we had fun." And, uh, and he's like, "No, no I understand, man. I read the, you read the room, read the room." And he's like, "Room red, room red." And then he started moving his finger like Danny Torrance in The Shining. He's like, "Room red, room red." <laughs> awesome. Anyway, Harris was at my 40th birthday party where I had a big sing-along and invented choir, choir, choir. I don't know if you, you know that story. Oh. Did you tell that story, Harry? I did not, no. Um, I had everybody bring, I was like, bring your own guitar, and I set up this uh, um, you know, overhead projector with songs on the wall, and uh, there's lots of beautiful pictures of young Harris there, and he looks uh, uh, young and beautiful. My, my buddy Taylor Locke, that's uh, also a, a friend of the show, mm-hmm. uh, did he tell that story about his joke about you? No, I didn't. Harris had his long hair. His sort of long, <laughs> long hair that looked like that to Taylor it looked like a cross between kind of rocker hair, like '80s rocker hair and grunge hair. And then he did this whole skit as Harris, as if he had engineered Pearl Jam Ten, <laughs> like this photo grunge guy. And he was like, "Guys, I'm gonna get this awesome." kick-ass snare sound. You're going to sound exactly like Cinderella. And then Eddie Vedder was like, but that's not we want, what we want. He's like, well, what do you want then? He's like, we don't know. <laughs> like, it was, it, was, it was so early in grunge, they, they hadn't formulated it. Anyway, it's such a stupid idea. Like, anyway, that was Taylor's joke that, that uh, Harris was like, the, uh, the, the bridge between uh, hair, like basically mother love bone looking hair. And, uh, but now, as they say, he looks like uh, Posh Spice. But oh, you, you're going to get that hair fixed, were you, Harry? I'm getting it fixed. That's right. Tomorrow. <laughs> I got to. So, uh, are you guys doing like a, what is this, a 10 minute episode? What, are, what else is this guy talking about? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leak the album right now. Uh, all, all, all the songs. Okay. That's fine. These guys know what's going on. I love all you guys. Harry, you're the best. And uh, that's, that's been long enough for this segment, right, guys? Sounds good, buddy. Thanks yes. so much for calling in, Mark. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Well, we just heard from Chris Murphy there. That was awesome. Maybe we'll uh, maybe that'll be a trend on Sloancast having people call in. Uh, we do have the switchboard, so very nice of him to call in. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he mentioned Sloan Steady, um, or did he? Yes, we were going to talk yes. about Sloan Steady, yes. which, which as Ken mentioned earlier, coming out as of this recording in a few weeks within a month. Uh, so yeah, your thoughts. Oh, this is my question. So when you when you join when you joined the team in 2018, was it a matter of did you ever go back and listen to any records to hear kind of like oh that's what they're going for to kind of fine tune your sort of the way that you handle things on stage? And when you when you heard, I assume you've heard the new record. 
do you have anything knocking around in your head now about, oh, I should, you know, prepare for that? Are you making notes? That kind of thing? No, because they don't need that. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're easygoing. Like they don't have to be, uh, no one is that picky. It's, it's a very good environment. The guys are so nice and friendly. Like, um, it, it they don't need, they don't need, uh, they don't need that. Right. Okay, cool. So sp- speaking of Sloan Steady, it, uh, it's coming out, like I said, within a month. You've heard it. You know, we can just kind of talk about it now. Like, do you have a track that you love in particular or what are your thoughts about it? So, uh, Sloan Steady, I listened to your podcast a, uh, a few episodes ago where you did the album covers. Yes. You guys ranked all the album covers. Correct. Right? And it's it's great to hear that uh, Steady made it to what? Number six. It, number was, pretty, it was pretty high on my list. Yeah, yeah it's pretty high. It was, uh, it's great to hear that I made the list. Because I took that album cover. What the oh. fuck? Because this is so funny. In that episode, you probably heard. They were like, it's so new. We don't even know who took this picture. Is this That's a Stockhausen right. original? But it's Harris. Take that, Catherine Stockhausen. It was me. <laughs> He's so, going to be really upset with you. So here's what happened. Okay. Murphy calls me. Uh, he says, listen, we've talked to every photographer that we know in all of Toronto. They're all busy. No one's available. <laughs> do you have a camera? And I said, yes, I do. You want to come down and take this photo? I'm like, yes, I do. So let's do it. So uh, I got together with, with the guys, with him. It took us uh, maybe like half an hour. And uh, we took the photo. It was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my first uh, album credit. There you Dude, go. Dude, that's amazing. Um, yeah, Because we were talking on the show about like, you know, did they do it at Andrew's place? Because that would kind of make sense since he's holding a teacup. You know, he was just drinking tea and they said, hey, Andrew, camera this way. And he kind of turned and everybody kind of took the photo. Or was it, did he have that with him? Lots of questions like, is it a staged photo? Are they are they thinking about we, a picture that already exists? Or? We try to, uh, uh, Chris and Jay, usually they always, uh, they always uh, they like have, they have a reference and they have yeah. a concept in mind. And then with this photo, if you look at it, uh, we tried to take a photo of all four of them together at once, but it's just, it's very hard. It's very hard to take a picture of four guys where everyone uh, looks good and uh, the lighting is right. It just didn't end up working. So on this photo, it's actually, each guy was photographed separately Oh, okay. and it was just put together. Interesting. Uh, cool. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's so hard to get four guys. Yeah. And then, uh, so each guy, <laughs> it, if you look at it, you you see how Andrew is dressed. He looks like a million dollars, whereas whereas Murphy looks like like he needs a million dollars. <laughs> He's wearing a leather jacket. I mean, it looks tough as nails. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's funny. The reason he's looking to the side is uh, I made a joke, and I was as I was taking photos of him, he was looking directly at the camera. I was like. This isn't working. I don't have enough grease to put on the lens to take a good picture. I said, less face, Murphy, less face. And he turned to the side to hide his face a little bit. And that's the photo that ended up being uh, uh, that's used. And I got to say, like our buddy Aaron Pinto, who's a friend and frequent guest of the show, found earlier today um, a book cover, two of us, John Lennon and McCartney, behind the myth. It's this Jeffrey giuliano book and there's a sort of similar looking uh, silver tone to the guys on the front there black background so we were going to actually talk to somebody in the band and just kind of confirm like was this maybe uh, an inspiration or anyway maybe that's the reference maybe i don't know 
but uh, cool. yeah. see, all, all I did was I all I did was take the photo. The whole the whole color, the silver, black and white, uh, the theme that they went with. That's all. That's all Chris and Jay. Yeah, uh, they they came up with that. Well, it's a classic cover, and like I, I, I really the only reason some of the other covers beat it on my list were just probably nostalgia factor. You know, it's hard to beat. Ever hear the end of it at one chord and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's a classic album cover. And, you know, for the few of us who've heard it so far, it's a classic Sloan album. Um, like just top to bottom, it kills and it looks great. And uh, I think yeah. uh, I think Murphy asked me to take the photo because he said I was good at Photoshop and he knows I can slim him down in, <laughs> in, in post and I can make him, uh, uh, you know, smaller. But uh, I know uh, the fans out here, uh, they can't see what I'm holding my hand, but I have here. A copy of the Steady wow. album in my hand. This Holy is pretty shit. cool. So, so did, are, are there any other photos of the band on there? And did you take that picture as well? Yes, there's a, there's a photo on the inside. Uh, have you seen this? No. This oh, there's a crazy. photo on the inside. Oh, it's just like uh, so. So okay. So these most recent press photos are all you. No, the the press photos uh, that was not me. Okay. I just did the Steady album. That's okay, it. crazy. So crazy. on the inside here, you can see the guys. For everybody who can't see, the in, the inner booklet is pink. Uh, very Never Hear the End of It-esque. And the it's the photos of the guys are black and white, the silver, black and white, very between the bridges looking. Um, yeah, awesome. Beautiful. And can you see that? I can see that. That's for you. If we post the, uh, maybe we'll get approval to post some pictures of this uh, <laughs> prior to the I told I out. told Murphy I would leak this. I'm leaking it. So here we go. <laughs> this is awesome. It and, looks great. Uh, it's there's no more photos it's just the front and the back cool and, then, and everybody will be happy to know there's lyrics inside but, uh, oh yeah, yeah killer man this is great this is great uh do i have a favorite song uh i i i haven't listened to it enough i'm waiting for it to kind of uh come out oh, i want okay, okay. to listen to it when everyone listens sure, to sure, it sure. so i've heard like a couple of the songs but <clears throat> i i kind of want to wait yeah no problem awesome yeah awesome. great man we're gonna have a preview episode hopefully coming up next episode or two where we'll talk about the whole record and do kind of a track by track preview. But yeah. Yeah, man. This is fantastic. Yeah. I've got my favorite. I'm super pumped for that album release and I'm sure it's going to be a fun tour. So are, are there, are there tour plans lining up already for, for the fall of this year or fall winter of this year? It's going to be uh it's going to be a few shows in the fall, a few, but the, the majority of shows are going to be uh, starting at the beginning of next year. Fantastic. Crazy. I have to figure out a way to weasel my way over to Canada, to, or or you guys, you can come to Europe. You know, it's been sixteen years. Yeah. I, I'd love to. I'd love to. We all like. I would love to, but, uh, but. I think uh, I think Jay doesn't want to leave his house. He doesn't want to leave, so he doesn't want to go all the way to Europe. But uh, but if you come here, Ken, then we can do Harris Part Two, the three of us together around absolutely. one single computer. Absolutely. One microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Three MCs and one microphone. Anyway, here's a question. A lot of the fans hearing this will recognize you at shows. They, I'm sure they know who you are. How do you feel about fan interaction? People asking for set lists. You know, uh, after this show, how comfortable mm. are you with people coming up and going like, oh, hi, Harris? Uh, I just, I try to be just as nice as possible to people. <laughs> and if anyone asks for a set list, just, I give it to them. You want pics? Take pics. And uh, whatever they need, they... Oh, can you give this to Andrew? Can you can you call out Chris? Whatever, I'll I'll help you out. It's just uh, be nice to everyone, and there everyone is nice back. It's it's no problem, no problem at all. Awesome. 
Well, guys, uh, if you see Harris online, say what's up to him. If you see him on the road, give him a wave, ask for a set list or something. But uh, Harris, maybe this is a good part uh, point to wrap up Harris part one. Uh, I speak for Ken, obviously, when I say we would love to have you back, man, do a part two sometime. Yeah, after after some of these uh, uh, steady shows, uh, when we do a little bit of touring for this, uh, I'll come back and tell you some tour stories, like awesome. stuff that happens on the road. Hey, maybe we'll have a guest caller again. Who knows? <laughs> Awesome. Well, it was such a pleasure speaking to Harris today. Hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Obviously, as we mentioned, October 21st is when Sloan Steady comes out. These guys are going to prove once again why they, why they are the greatest fucking band of all time. And we thank you for listening to this podcast. So for Ken, myself, Harris, have a great one, guys. We'll catch you next time on Sloan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.